And now you got to be instinctive. You got to mm. respond. You got to come up and solve problems very creatively, very quickly yeah. under a lot of stress. Yeah. But the reason you can do that is because there's so much process and discipline behind your base. Sure. Welcome to Total Refresh, a podcast from Coca-Cola North America that's radically refreshing. I'm your host, Katherine Cherry. And I'm Jamal Booker. On season one of Total Refresh, we're doing something we've never done before. We're inviting people everywhere to listen in as we get real with our leaders. What the military brings, they bring us great discipline. They bring great integrity. I think they bring a value system that's similar to Coca-Cola's a great work ethic, the can-do attitude. I mean, it goes on and on. Today, we're sitting down with Mark Rahia. Mark has a bird's-eye view of the Coca-Cola supply chain, everything from agriculture, trucking, and transport to sourcing of ingredients and materials like water, recycled plastic, and aluminum. What that entails is both the operations of all our manufacturing and distribution of our still beverages in the business, some directional leadership for our national product supply group, our innovation commercialization processes, as well as our core commercial and RGM functions. I want to know more about this process. It's a major part of our company, and there are tons of vendors and suppliers and people that make our supply chain happen. For sure, it's a huge process and a huge undertaking to manage, let alone improve. I also know that Mark is a military veteran, and he's been an advocate for hiring more veterans. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about his views on recruitment and personnel. So, Mark, tell us, where'd you grow up? I actually grew up in Atlanta. Oh, really? So uh, with a lot of folks at Coca-Cola, uh, there's not as many folks that are from the Atlanta area, but I am. So Awesome. Do you have any Coke memories growing up? I do. I think one of the biggest Coke memories I have is I would have been about uh, 14 years old when the new Coke came out. And we were a diehard against that move. And I remember stockpiling <laughs> old Coke in our basement and how long it was going to last and trying the new Coke and just all the drama around that yes. event is sort of an early teenager. So it was a lot of fun to go through that. Any uh, specific memories of your family and the military? Any particular people stand out? or? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Navy's a great training ground. Um, submarines are a tough uh, it's hard to get in, you know, <laughs> so you work really, really hard to, to get accepted, and then it's a, it's a really good program. I think the, you know, the memories of the family are just the separation's very hard, and I think we ought, we ought to remember today that uh, there's folks deployed overseas, and, you know, good half of the Navy is at sea at any given time, and it's uh, they're away for months, sometimes over a year, so that separation's tough. And on the submarines, we would have uh, family grams. So since you're down underwater, there's no communications, there's no mail on submarines, there's no emails on submarines back then. So uh, the only communication is your family got 40 words every two weeks to communicate to you. Oh, my god! they were called family grams. Wow. This is and like pre-Twitter. Like. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when, the, uh, when those family grams came and they'd get passed out, it was the biggest morale, you know, thing that happened ever uh, when you're at sea on a submarine. So that's how, it, that's how it happened back in the days. You just get a 20, 40 words every two weeks. It was the only communication with your family, sometimes for six or eight months. So wow. Unreal. That was challenging. How many people did you have under you when you were in the mili- in, in your naval ship? Well, submarines are... Both. are submarines, Sorry. both. Very good. <laughs> the, the submarine community is small, and a submarine is only about 150 men at the time. 
Now we've uh, gotten a little more enlightened. We have women serving on the submarines. Uh, it was 150 on the crew with about 11 officers. So I was one of those officers. So you'd have a proportion of the boat, a division to operate. Uh, it's pretty stressful. You run 24-7 and you've got to run your division. Uh, you've got to operate the boat. You got to learn, you know, you got to be a, uh, you got to go through a master's nuclear engineer program to even get on the submarine because you got to run a nuclear reactor and get certified by the Department of Energy. And then you learn how to run the engineering room. You learn how to run the, learn how to run the front of the boat, learn how to fight the boat. So you have to sort of know sonar, oceanology, the nuclear reactor, the weapon systems, the tactics of the enemy. You got to kind of learn all that stuff. And it takes a little while. It's like almost like an apprenticeship thing as yeah. you build your way up to being a captain of your own boat. What's your impression of, of our vets that work at Coke and, and how they've transferred these skills that they learned in the military and how they're, they're applying that to their jobs at Coca-Cola? Oh, I think that our, our veteran employees are really, really important. And I think what's exciting about the military is we can bring in veteran employees every level of the company. We did a great job over the past number of years with our CCR and Coca-Cola recruiting a lot of veterans, and we need to stay focused on the ability to really be a place that attracts veterans to come work and, and go find them. The military gives you a lot of great leadership experience, often at a young age. Everyone's got a lot of responsibility. But there's also, I think, some great business lessons that transition from a great captain, a great group of officers, a great group of people that are really culturally aligned in a winning team. They outperform the other submarine every time. And it can change quickly with the change in leadership. So it's just something I always took away. I've always brought to my own teams and to, into the, to the business world. That same thing matters. Never underestimate the importance of leadership in the workplace. Do you have any specific examples of how your service or your background has kind of translated to your role at Coke? Yeah, I think um, it wouldn't just be me. It'd be a lot of the, the veterans. You've just been in a lot of really tough situations. So I think, you know, you're a little cal potentially calmer in the high-stress situations. You can kind of handle it. You've probably seen worse, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I've never seen worse at Coca-Cola than a couple of my captains when they were very mad. <laughs> uh, so the, I think the ability just to sort of take things in stride. Yeah. Um, and often in the military, what, I think what's interesting is there's a lot of discipline and process, but the discipline and process enable you to be creative when you need it. Because uh, if you, you think about the army guys and the Marine guys that are out and Afghanistan and Iraq and in the battlefield, well, they're, everything's very orderly. They've got discipline. They've got all this process. They've been trained like this. they got everything in the right pocket that's supposed to be in the right pocket, in the left pocket that's supposed to be in the left pocket. And then they get into combat, and it all goes to hell, mm -hmm. right? And now you got to be instinctive. you got to mm -hmm. respond. you got to come up and solve problems very creatively, very quickly, yeah. under a lot of stress. But the reason you can do that is because there's so much process and discipline behind your base. Sure. That and I think sometimes we um, we're trying to create things that that slow you down. When actually, if you have really good process and really good discipline in the way you approach, it allows you to be more creative when you when you get to the tough situations. You were explaining the submarine and the operations, and it's super complex. So, if you had to explain the Coca-Cola supply chain and your role within that, let's say to a second grader, how would you try to explain that? Uh, I think you'd start with, uh, and there's a couple different things, you know, from. Um, that we talk about, um, you know, some of the juice business we'll talk about from grove to glass. You might think about from, you know, ingredients to the shelf or ingredients to the table. Um, and I think what a supply chain, and I think people use the word in many different ways, but I think it's, it's most simplistic thing is, 
It's how you bring a product to market and to the consumer. Hmm. And it starts with procurement. You've got to go buy ingredients, got uh, to grow oranges in some cases uh, with, with planners and, and different folks. And then you've got to process those ingredients. You've got to manufacture high-quality products. Then you've got to get them to the stores and the bottlers and the distributors, and you've got to get them to the customers. And then it completes the play with people using the products and then recycling the products. And sometimes those recycled materials come back and they're ingredients again, right? So it's a, it's that whole process uh, from ingredient to product to the consumer. Mm-hmm. And all along there, you've got to manage things. And it's it's not the sexiest part of the business in some mm-hmm. regards. You got to buy stuff, you got to make stuff, you got to ship stuff, you got to store stuff, you got to bill, got to do the accounting. You know, it's all these things. And, uh, but when it works really well, it's just, in my opinion, it's an enormous competitive advantage for a company that does well in the supply chain. You manage 18 plants in your organization with more than um, 3,400 employees. If I was to walk into a facility that made simply orange juice, we open the door, what do you see, hear, smell? Describe the experience of walking into one of our manufacturing facilities. The first thing you're gonna experience in one of our manufacturing facilities, and this is good, because it wasn't the same case when you came off a submarine, is it smells amazing, okay? So in a facility like our Main Street facility uh, is our primary, not from concentrate, simply plant. It smells like breakfast, delicious orange juice. I mean, it just, you know, have these great smells in our facilities. So that's always a nice place to go and work. Um, The very first thing you're gonna experience if you go into any of our facilities is safety. Mm -hmm. Safety is number one, it's paramount. Uh, I have a set of non-negotiables for our organization and First and foremost is everyone has right to go home the way they came to work safely. It's critically important. We operate with a lot of dangerous machinery, fork trucks, trucks. It's a dangerous environment. The quality of our products, the integrity of the way we operate, and the inclusivity of the way we operate. Those are sort of the non-negotiables in the supply chain world. I mean, should be any world, but, you know, the, the teams, I, I always put that forward first and foremost. Um, so you're going to get a safety indoctrination. You're going to have to wear the right. A PPE, protective equipment, and you're going to have a hairnet on. Beautiful. <laughs> yes. Um, I have driven home. When I first started with Coke, I started in a plant, and I'd wear the hairnet all day. And a couple of times I was driving home in my younger days, I'm looking out the window, and someone's looking back at me. I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, and I realized they're looking at me because I'm still wearing my hairnet. Uh, so, you know, you'll you'll wear a hairnet, protective equipment. You'll have to take off rings and watches and those kind of things. Um, there's a lot of fast, high-speed equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of machinery. Um there's a lot of activity in our warehouses as well. So you'll experience a team that's very professional, um, very focused on safety and quality of the products and the teams, um, very committed and dedicated to, uh, to the work, and they're working at a pretty fast pace. I am continually impressed by the on-the-ground gut instinct and heart of these folks to make those snap decisions, whether they're merchandising or working in one of our facilities. Um, when you look at yourself, what growth behavior do you um, maybe struggle with the most? Well, I found nothing yet that I can't get better at and improve on. Mm-hmm. So I need to work on all of them. I think Empowered is the one. I am a huge champion and believer in empowerment but it's hard to do. You have to really work at it. You have to work at the culture and you've got to resist the temptation to um, do it yourself 
or override others. You've got to teach people if they need to know something more, give them, enable them the chance to make some mistakes, enable them the chance to learn uh, and to grow. I, I have a great example of this from my, uh, from my Navy days. So I, I had a chief who worked for me. So, you know, these are the guys, you're a young officer, you get to see, this guy's been at sea before you were born. He's very senior in the Navy and a lot of folks report under him and then he reports to you. And he was a wizard at mechanics. I mean, he, he, he could do anything with machines. He could make anything on a lathe. So he was trying to build his group and help them all grow, and he would always jump in and do it. And we literally did exercise where I had to tie his hands behind it, one <laughs> hand behind his back. So he would have to teach and help others and let them get through it. And then as that team became stronger, they could do anything without him, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a simple example because it's sometimes hard to say translate it, but that's the concept. Mm-hmm. We have to, you have to believe in it and enable it, but then you have to sort of reflect, am I living this? Am I really allowing the team to be empowered? Or what can I do to enable them to be more empowered? So instead of saying, well, no, sorry, that's right. Let's do it this way. Say, well, can you teach? Can you coach? You've got to build that in. It's not always easy. And when you get into busier times where people are in more stressful situations, they'll tend sometimes to take some of that empowerment back. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us need to continue to work on that. Um, so back on the beverage side. Sure. Uh, what does total beverage mean? Uh, well, I think total beverage has been a, has been a very, um, for me, a really sort of opening of the wider aperture of the, of the industry. Uh, Coke's gone through a few iterations. We, we started as a soft drink company. Um, we then, I think, uh, delicately walked into being a non-alcoholic ready to drink mm-hmm. company. And then a finally, I think in the last year or two, uh, really made the plunge into being total beverage. So Mark, our shift to a total beverage company is super important. What are the key takeaways about this business strategy that every employee should know? I think if you bring it down to one word, growth. Okay, you've got to first anchor on growth. It is the way we're going to build our growth for the next 50, 100, 150 years. Uh, Expanding categories, going where the consumers are, not afraid to explore any avenue and non-alcoholic ready to drink where there's going to be growth and be able to invest, um, make, buy, so that we can sell the products and bring them through our customers and sort of delight the consumers. Without that, we would, I think we would struggle to find the growth we want. Uh, and we're, we're all about growth. Uh, I think it was exciting. You're in a company that's over 130 years old and that people use the phrase 130 years young. It's because we can be a growth company because one out of eight beverages means it's all to play for. Yes. So Jamal's our resident dad on Total Refresh. So we want to talk a little bit about parenthood. Yeah. So did you have a family when you joined the company? I did. Some interesting stories with Coke. So I went over to Ireland with Coca-Cola uh, and we built... Uh, what to this day is our largest uh, probably plant in the world. It's a concentrate plant, a little different than the plants we have here, um, in the west coast of Ireland. And we got over there breaking ground, and then I ended up staying over there and operating the, the operation for a period of time. So my first two sons were born in Ireland on that Coke Very assignment. Cool. Nice. And interesting enough, the f- after a year, literally several years of building this facility in our first big batch of Coca-Cola, we got it out, we produced it, we all stood in front of it, took a big picture, my phone rang, 
and went straight to the hospital and my first one was born <laughs> on that first day <laughs> wow. of the first batch of Coke. So wow. yeah, they're very intertwined. And then um, we lived in Cincinnati for a while as well. And my third son was born there okay. while we were working for Coke in Cincinnati. So I've got three boys. A lot how, of boys. How old are they? Yeah. <laughs> what ages? I have uh, 19, 17, and 10. Nice. nice Man, nice. you are busy. We are. You've been an ally for gender equality at the company and... I'm curious if you have a personal story about why inclusion matters to you um, and to our business. It matters because it's just kind of the way it should be. Uh, in my mind, I know that sounds fairly simplistic, but the I have experienced from every uh, individual I've, I've worked with or had the opportunity to work with, skills, differences, things they bring to the business, I started, interestingly enough, in the supply chain with Coke up through my first few years and then now recently. And I think that's an important one, actually, because if there's an area where the the gender balance is probably off, it's in supply chain. I think that's probably historical, just like the submarines were historical. But we have tremendously talented uh, female leaders in our supply chain, um, really strong engineers. Uh, and... I think one of the things that we can actually help with the Coke is how do we how do we help the universities uh, and a lot of this the, the talent that's out there STEM type of talent which we really need in supply chain and encourage folks to get the degrees and come in and then go recruit that talent and help build them and, and grow them in our organization so we can have more supply chain leaders. I've seen a lot of growth and development in our ability, quite honestly, to what we were talking about earlier a little bit and the sort of helping folks manage the different stages of their life and actually celebrating different stages of life, right? There's an important part when you are in sort of raising families. There's an important part when the kids are out of the house. There's an important part before. And I think everyone just needs to understand the flexibility. If we're going to get the best out of the employees, then we need to be able to adapt to certain phases of life. And as we do that better and better, I think think it really opens up the opportunities for great achievement and uh, more and more female employees. And every time we see folks get the chances to um, excel, they do, right? So we shouldn't be surprised. I think strengthening that female talent pipeline in operations is truly going to be the key to increasing yeah. our leadership of females at Coke. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. It's a, it's a key place we need to... Uh, double down on, but we've got some really strong talent coming through and we'll work hard to find the right continued leadership opportunities for them because I think they set the example and they encourage others to to get into that field. Mark, I've had so much fun talking to you today. Agreed. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you both. On the next episode of Total Refresh, being a wife and mother first guides everything because it, that's my value system. Uh, and an employee second. Even though Coke has been incredibly generous to me and defines me in, in many, many ways, it's not the ultimate thing that defines me. Stay refreshed by subscribing to Total Refresh on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts are found. Total Refresh is a production of the Coca-Cola Company in partnership with Frequency Media. We're your hosts, Jamal Booker and Catherine Cherry. The show is executive produced by Michelle Corey and Rose Reed and produced by me. Cooper Skinner is our sound engineer and editor. 
Our music is composed by Thomas Avery at Tune Welders. And our artwork is by Tova Rosenberg. A special thanks to all the Coca-Cola employees who made this podcast possible.